Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And I want to just read in our syllabus. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me for the reading of our syllabus and the reading of God's word tonight. We're going to have a lot of scripture tonight. We're going to catch up on your daily Bible reading. If you missed that this week, uh, we're going to catch you up today, but we're not going to read it all while we're standing. Our syllabus says the Noahic covenant is the promise that God made to Noah and his descendants after the flood, which destroyed the world. God promised that he would never again send a worldwide flood to destroy the earth as an act of his divine judgment for sin. As a sign of his covenant promise, God set the rainbow in the cloud. In the book of Revelation chapter 4, we see a rainbow encircled around the throne of God, which reminds us that God will most certainly remember his covenant promises. God doesn't forget his promises. God doesn't break his promises. If he's given you a promise, if he's given you a word, trust him that it's gonna come to pass. This is an unconditional covenant proving the mercies of God towards his judgment. Now, if you would go with me to Genesis chapter nine, this is gonna be our main kind of text. We're gonna, we're gonna kind of start at the end tonight and work our way backwards a little bit. Genesis chapter nine, verse eight says, then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him saying, and as for me, behold, I will establish, someone say my covenant with you and your descendants after you. Somebody say, that's me. So it's not just for Noah, it's for me. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds and cattle and every beast of the earth that with you, for all go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of my covenant, which I make between me and you and every creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all earth. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. Come on, how many thankful for that covenant, that promise from God? Why don't we pray together and bless God's word? Dear Lord, we thank you for what you've already done tonight. We thank you for the worship. We thank you that you are moving in this place. I pray you would bless this word, Lord, that it would not be my words, but it would be your words. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Come on, high five a few more people as you're being seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you so much. It's pretty cool, Pastor Josh, who is our incredible uh, youth pastor here. How many love Pastor Josh, Pastor Allie, 
all the amazing things that they're doing with our youth and young adults. Every Wednesday night, I'm amazed at how many young people we have here at Riverside. But Pastor Josh sent me a picture. Um, pretty cool, because how many know it hasn't rained in a long time, but pretty cool. Literally, as service is happening, there was a rainbow kind of over Navarro. If you look that direction, there was a rainbow in the sky because it just rained for a little bit. So I thought that was like a cool confirmation, cool sign from God. Um, so the, the Noahic covenant, I want to, like I said, back up a little bit, and we're going to teach tonight. This is where we go deeper. I want to encourage you to take notes in your syllabus, and uh, for a title, you can just write the Noahic covenant, or you can write a subtitle, Rainbows and Redemption, Rainbows and Redemption. But I want to back up because we really have to go back to Adam and Eve, and I know Pastor Caleb did such an incredible job talking about the Adamic covenant but we have to go back to Adam and Eve because the story of Noah really starts with a long list of people. It starts with all of his relatives. You see this in Genesis chapter 5 and, and maybe spilling over a little into 6. It kind of repeats a little bit. But we have to go back to Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve are sin and are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And they have a curse. Uh, Adam is cursed with toiling. He's cursed with having to, to toil and cultivate the ground and deal with thorns and thistles. Uh, the woman has to, Eve, has to go through uh, childbirth and the pain of childbirth. And so we see this where generation after generation, so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so. There's all these people, and they're living for a really, really long time, and they're having lots of babies. Now, just to kind of make this real for you, for all the ladies in here, imagine if you were able to have kids for five, six, seven hundred years. Some of you are like, I don't want that. I thought I wanted to live a long time. No, thank you. <laughs> But imagine how many children you could have if you were living hundreds and hundreds of years. So they're having a lot of children. The, 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 the population of the world is growing rapidly. But we see this thing. We see that ultimately all of them die. There's kind of this crazy thing where it says so-and-so begot so-and-so and they lived this many years. And then it just simply says, and he died. And he died. It's very like anticlimactic. But, but I think that's a picture to show us that when sin entered into the world, sin always leads to death. And I want to just kind of go there for a moment because when we talk about Noah, let's be real, the, the elephant in the room is, is that God sends a flood and millions, potentially even more people are killed because of the wrath of God. And that's tough. I understand that. I don't want to get up here and be like, that just makes perfect sense. Because when you think about it, you're like, how, how does that happen? But when in reality, we take a step back, because of sin, all of us are going to die at some point. The, the Bible tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And, and so what was happening is these people were living, but the world was becoming more and more corrupt. And I want you to think about the most evil person that you can think of and I want you to imagine them living hundreds and hundreds of years. Think about all the evil that they could do in their lifetime. I want you to think about if, if Hitler, if Stalin, if Mao, if Genghis Khan, if, if different Roman emperors and dictators, if all of these people and, and all of these uh, you know, people that we hear about that could commit these atrocities and, and terrorists and all these different things, imagine if they were all alive at the same time and were living hundreds and hundreds of years. Imagine what the world 
would look like. That's where we find ourselves in this story. And the reason I want to set that up is because oftentimes when we read the Bible, we kind of look at Noah and it's almost like, man, Noah is this perfect person and everybody else is this bad person. But I just want to be honest with you, what the Bible teaches and what the whole story of creation is, is that we're all bad people. That, that, that's really where this all leads us to is that Noah is born into sin just like everyone else. Noah is born into iniquity just like everyone else. Noah is born into a wicked world. So we pick up his birth in Genesis chapter 5, and I know that's like real low, so just bear with me for a moment. Genesis chapter 5, Lamech, who's Noah's father, lived 182 years and had a son. And he called his name Noah. Now, Noah's name means rest or repose, to take a pause, to to take a breath, saying this will be the one that, that will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. So he's prophesying over Noah that Noah is going to be the one to bring rest or to bring comfort in a lineage of toil and heartache and death and destruction, that Noah is going to be different. Now, I just want to encourage you in this moment that it matters what you speak over your children. Maybe you don't have a name that means something. Maybe you didn't think about that when they were born. But I want to let you know that you can begin to prophesy over their life that they're going to be a change in their generation, that they're going to do something great, that they're going to be godly, that they're going to be holy, that you can begin to prophesy that over them. And after he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years. Again, hundreds and hundreds of years. And then this is what we get. And he died. (laughs) Like, great. It's kind of interesting to me. I'm not really going to make a point, but it's 777, 777 years, number of God, number of completion. I don't know. Just throwing that out there for those numerology nerds out there. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Noah means rest. And I think this is interesting because Noah is going to be in the most chaotic time that he has maybe ever heard of. Talk about going through a storm. I'm going through some storms in my life right now. I'm going through some chaos in my life right now. I'm going through some some getting knocked around in my life right now. And Noah's name means rest. Just think for a moment that in the storms of your life, that even though God may be calling you to do something crazy, God may be calling you to do something that you've never heard of before, you don't understand it. He's saying, hey, you're going to have rest even in the middle of that storm. It makes me think about Jesus in the Gospels when he's crossing the Sea of the Gadarenes and the disciples are, are losing it and they don't know what to do and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Because Jesus knows the end of the story. So, hey, Noah, even though you're worried right now, even though you're scared right now, even though there's wickedness all around you, just remember that I named you rest. Just remember that you're a child of God. Just remember that my hand is on you, that my identity is on you. So it starts with this genealogy, and I want you to understand that it's important 
for us to have genealogies, especially in the Old Testament, as the Jews would have been reading the Old Testament, it was very important for them to have genealogies because they wanted to know where people came from. They wanted to know the pedigree. This is why Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is primarily written to a Jewish audience. So that's why at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, you see a long genealogy leading up to Jesus because they wanted to prove that Jesus was of the line of David, that he was the Messiah. So genealogies are important important to know where you come from. But I know many of you are in this place and you're like, Pastor Alex, I know my genealogy and I don't want people to know where I come from. I don't want people to know who my parents are. I don't want people to know my grandparents are. I don't want them to know where I came from. I don't want them to know because the thing that has been happening in my family for generation after generation, and Pastor Bobby already spoke to it tonight, the generational curses, the cycles, the addictions. I I, I don't want people to know that all of that is on me. Well, I want you to look at Noah because Noah, it was generation after generation of sin and shame and destruction, but then Noah but Noah. And I just know that there's some people in this place that you need to realize that God is doing something in your life where you need to say, hey, but it's, it's but Alex, but, but Hannah, but Kayla, but, but Felicia, but Sandy. Like there's something that has been going through my family line, but it stops with me. It may be where I came from, but it's not where I'm going. I've heard this said before, and maybe it's cliche, but I think it's true that it may have run in my family, but then it ran into me. Then it ran into the blood of Jesus. Then it ran into someone that understands that they are a child of God, someone that understands that they have a covenant with God, that it may have affected everyone else, but it stops with me. Because Noah finds grace with God. In the middle of all this wickedness, he finds grace with God. Genesis chapter five, and I have to hurry. Genesis chapter five. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. I want you to understand the wickedness of man. That means everyone. It's not saying that there were a lot of wicked people. It's saying everyone was wicked, including Noah. I I, I just really felt led to lean into this tonight because many times we kind of have this somewhat incorrect, maybe Sunday school version that Noah was perfect on his own and God just picked him because he was perfect. No, no one is perfect outside of the grace of God. And we're about to read that in just a moment. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and was grieved in his heart. You have to understand that you can grieve God. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Lord said, I will destroy man. That is, that is universal whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now notice the order here, because some of you are thinking, well, in order to be a child of God, I gotta be perfect first. In order to be a child of God, I gotta clean myself up first. In in order to be a child of God, I gotta kind of stand on the fringes of the church, on the edge of the church. No, no, no. He found grace first. He found mercy first. Many translations translate this as the favor of God. 
the unmerited, undeserved favor of God that you can't earn it, you can't do anything to get it, you can't please God enough. It is only by the grace of God that you have been saved because of God's grace, because of grace through faith, that's how you're saved. Then you start to walk with God. I just, I don't know why I felt this so strong in prayer that we have to understand Noah was not just this perfect person. That's why God chose him. No, God chose him and he responded to God's grace. And that's why he was allowed to build the ark. That's why God gave him a calling. That's why God gave him a destiny. That's why God gave him a a, a prophetic word. Could it be that there are people that God has been trying to speak to, that God has been trying to put his grace on, but they have not responded to him? So they're not able to walk with him yet because they haven't responded to him yet? I told Pastor Bobby today as we were kind of collabing on this message, and, and don't take this as theology, don't take this as doctrine. Please understand there's, there's nothing in here that we can prove or disprove this biblically. But I wonder if there were other people that God had tried to bestow his grace on and other people that had rejected God because of their wickedness. They said, I don't want to build an ark. I don't, I don't want to prepare for a flood. What are you talking about, God? This, this is crazy. But Noah responded. Because of the grace, because of God's calling, he responded and he walked with God. Notice that Noah had the favor of God before he ever built a boat. Before he ever did anything for God, before he ever signed up for a serve team, before he ever did CARES outreach, before he ever led a small group, before, and I want you to do all that, but I want you to understand that you do not earn God's grace by doing those things. You receive God's grace because he loves you so much. He does it for you because you are undeserving. It is unmerited, but we receive it. And then we start to walk with him. Hebrews chapter 11, because I want to show you that this is all throughout the Bible. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to his faith. Come on, we are heirs of righteousness. We are children of God because of our faith. Because of grace, because of grace, Noah walked with God. We're seeing a picture that God does not give up on his creation. God does not give up on his children. That even though he tried to establish a covenant with Adam and even though Adam broke that, God is still trying to connect with his creation. God is still trying to connect with his people. Even though humanity ran away from God, even though humanity rejected God, God continued to pursue us. God continued to run after us. God continued to give us an opportunity. So God tells Noah to build an ark. And the ark is interesting because Noah is the last of what we call the antediluvian patriarchs. And that's a fancy word for uh, before the flood. And history is kind of gray. It's a little mixture of what was happening before this time in history. But from, from my studies, from what we understand, there at this time had not been a flood and there had not been an ark. 
there had not been a boat to look at and build. And so God is telling Noah to do something that has never been done before. Save yourself. And Noah's like, I don't understand. God, you're saying that there's something coming, but I don't understand what's coming. It doesn't make sense to me. Anybody felt like that before? God, you're telling me to make this change and you're telling me to make this shift and you're telling me to move this relationship and you're telling me to leave my job and you're, you're, you're telling me to, you, that I need to separate myself and you're telling me that I need to fast and you're telling me that I need to give when my bills are due you're te- and I don't really understand it right now. It doesn't make sense to me. God will a lot of times call us to do things that don't make sense to us. And then I'm not going to get into the, the building the boat and that sort of thing because I, I think most of you in here understand the story of Noah, but it takes him a long time, takes him decades, with, with, close to around 100 years to build this boat, to build this ark. Not only that, he has to go and get wood that is not local to his area. So from the way that I understand it, he probably had to go to another region where there was gopher wood he had to get the seeds or get some of the trees that produce gopher wood. He had to plant those trees in his region. He had to wait for those trees to grow. Then he had to cut them down. He had to mill them. He had to figure out how to cut them to size following God's instructions. Talk about faith. We want God to drop all the we want God to drop the boat right in front of us. God just dropped the ark right here. Provide, God, you're a provider. God's like, no, you need to, you need to go get some seeds. God, you, you can't at least even give me the seeds. No, you're going to have to go get some seeds. And you're going to have to get a sawmill going. You're going to have to get your sons. You have to employ them. You're going to have to deal with their stuff. You're going to have to put, you're going to have to wait. You know, you're just going to have to sit there, watch these trees grow. Then you have to start building. And all while the people around you are laughing at you, accusing you, telling you you're crazy. What are you doing? You're an idiot. How many of you have felt like this before? See, this story is so much more relatable than we realize. Many of us have bypassed this story and we just look at it like a cute cartoon where, wow, they were with all the animals and this was so amazing. No, this is a story of us. This is a story, really, this is a a picture, all of the patriarchs, the covenant. It's just a picture of Jesus. It's all just a picture of our relationship with God. So he builds an ark in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 6. I won't go through all of it, but he says how to build the ark. But go down to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 6 verse 17. And behold, I myself, this is God speaking, am bringing the floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, which is the breath of life, and everything that is on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wives, your sons' wives with you. And then verse 22 says, thus Noah did. According to all God commanded, so he did. I would love for that to be the story of my life. According to all God commanded, Alex did. Now notice it didn't, we don't, we don't read about all the hard work. I mean, we, we probably could write books and volumes of the stories that went into, went into all that he had to do to build this ark. All that he had to do. No, no, no. It just says he did it. God, you're saying that you're going to establish a promise with me. You're saying that you're going to establish the covenant. 
Notice the covenant hasn't been established yet. He's still walking in faith. So he did all that God commanded him. So what God is doing is God is reaffirming the covenant that he made with Adam. God is saying, even though there's been all this death, there's been all this destruction, there's all this wickedness, there's all this evil in the world, I'm trying to remind my people, I'm trying to remind my children that I see you, that I will not forget you, and that you still have a calling, you still have a destiny, you still have an inheritance, you are a child of God. So the flood comes to cleanse the world of wickedness. And again, I know that this is a hard part for us to grapple with. But I think we have to realize that this evil that was happening, all of it was leading to death and destruction. All of it was ending in death. But God brings salvation. God brings life. And so through this, the flood cleanses all the evil flesh from the earth. But I want to show you that this is a picture of something that happens in the New Testament. That, that everything in the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and everything in the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That it's all about Jesus. It's all about our connection with God. It's all about the covenant that he has with you today. It's not just an old fairy tale. It's not just an old story. It's not something we read to our children when they're young and all the, all the alligators and the animals living together and why did the mosquitoes get on the boat and why were the rats on the boat? And you know, that, that's the things that I was asking when I was a child. Yes, though, that, that's great and that's a part of it. I'm not trying to minimize that, but there's so much more. It's so much deeper because this is what happens. Just like flesh was put to death through the flood, there's another water where our flesh is put to death. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit by whom he went and preached to the spirits of the prison who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. That is also the antitype that now saves us. Baptism. <laughs> Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but is the answer of our good conscience towards God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and as at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Come on, so just like, yeah, come on, we can clap for that. So through baptism, we put the flesh to death. We come up a new creation in Christ Jesus. We don't physically die. We don't physically die, but there is a death of our old self. There is a death of our sin nature. There's a, a, a death of the things that God is saying, no, there's this evil, but I want to show you that there is a way out. There's a redemption. There's, there's a plan that I've set up for you. I have a covenant with you. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, how do I come out of my mom again? That's literally what he says. Jesus is like, no, that's not it, <laughs> but you must be born again. So they go on the ark, and they're in the ark for 150 days. 
I know you've heard it that it rained for 40 days and 50, uh, 40 nights, but they were actually on the ark for 150 days. Again, a step of faith. Imagine being on a boat in the middle of water with a bunch of stinky animals and your family. Some of y'all are like, put me with the giraffes and the alligators. I will gladly go down to the sea cabin. But they were there for 150 days. It's a long time. And it's interesting to me. I just, I love the way God puts things throughout these stories that it's 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is always representative of a transition season. In the Bible, you see where Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years because he killed someone and got out of God's order. He was tending the sheep. You see where the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. You see where Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days. You see all these 40. It's a time of transition. And I want to encourage someone in this place, don't get trapped in your transition. Don't get trapped in your transition. Because there's many of you that would have had faith and maybe have faith up until the point that you're in the boat and you're like, God, you provided this boat and you've made a way and we're safe and this is great, but it's a day 129 and I am getting a little confused. I'm getting a little scared here, God, because I, I, I'm kind of worried that, yes, we didn't drown, but are we gonna starve? Let's be real, I, 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 I'm worried that we, we didn't drown, but are we gonna run out of fresh water or, or, or are, we, are, we gonna, are we gonna start to get sick because we're so close together with all these animals? God, God, I'm kind of worried of what I'm going through right now. And many of us begin to lose faith in the transition in the very vessel that God is using to save us in the very boat, the, the capsule, the ark that God has created for you. You will start to resent the very thing God sent to save you. So don't get trapped in your transition. Don't start to lose faith and forget that God has promised you that he has made a covenant with you. Yeah. Two minutes and 13 seconds. Let's go. The next thing that happens is they, we know the waters go away, sends a, a bird, the bird comes back with, with, with a, a, a branch and we know that the waters begin to recede. And this is what Noah does when he gets out of the boat. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Again, foreshadowing. We see that aroma. We see the altar of incense. We see the burnt offerings being sacrificed later on. All of it's tied together. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living creature as I have done, while the earth remains seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now, side note here, for those of you that are worried about the environment, again, kudos to you. But we have a promise here that as long as the earth remains, a part of the covenant is that God is going to make sure that the earth continues to operate in the way that he created it. Even though the world is wicked, even though we do things to destroy the world, a part of this covenant is that seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. That's in the word. Somebody say it's in the book. One more thing in this passage He's carrying all these animals. I'm a very practical person. God, we got to repopulate the earth. 
we're going to sacrifice the very animals that you sent to save me, that you, that, that you told us to save? How much are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust him that he has a plan? Again, are in, as he's provided for you every step of the way, are you going to get to a moment where you say, God, okay, we're, we're good now. You got us on the ark. You made, you, we, we made it through. We're good now. We're, we don't have to worry about God anymore. How many times do we see people, and in our own lives, I know I've been there, how many times does God provide for us? He answers the prayer. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And the very moment we get what we've been praying for, we stop praying. The very moment God gives us what we've been seeking him for, we stop seeking him. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say this for myself. I know that there are some things that God hasn't given me because he wants me to keep seeking him for it. I know that there are some things. I don't think I'm that great. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm like, God, if you gave that to me, maybe it would trip me up right now. God knows I'm not ready for it. And so he's saying, hey, I'm not going to give it to you yet because I want to make sure that you're still willing to sacrifice for me. Because I want the sweet aroma. I want the burnt offering. I want the, the, the sacrifice. Are we going to sacrifice? Are we going to remember him? Or the moment that we get the escape, the moment that we get out, the moment that we're free, are we saying, okay, God, I'm good now. Thank you. Thank you. It happens all the time. So many people that God sets free, that they're, they're right there on the brink of it. They're right there and step in being completely free from the thing that they've been going through. They get a little bit, they get a little bit of reprieve. They get a little bit of, uh, of freedom, and then they forget about God. They forget the one that got them there. And now as we come to a close, worship team, you guys can come. In Genesis chapter 9, we find where God establishes his covenant. And the reason that I've walked us through this process is, if you notice, and I'll just go back for a second, this is the story of us. This is the story of every child of God, that we're born into a sinful and wicked world. People maybe don't live to be hundreds of years old anymore, but it seems like we're getting better and better at being wicked. It doesn't take us hundreds of years anymore. So we're born into a sinful and wicked world, but then God extends his grace towards us and that grace is a free gift. Maybe you haven't received that grace tonight. You're gonna have an opportunity. Even in this moment, you can begin to receive God's grace. Then God tells us to take a step of faith. We start to walk with God. We start to be in his presence. We start to change our ways. We start to change how we talk and how we walk and the places we go and the things that we do. We're baptized the old is stripped away. We're raised up a new creation in Christ. We go public with our faith. We leave the past behind us. Then we begin to offer worship to God. We begin to offer sacrifices. We begin to offer praise. We begin to worship him in, in song. We begin to worship him by, by giving of our, of our money, by giving of our time, of our talents. We worship him. All this is because God established a covenant. Because God established a covenant that doesn't change. Even if you change, God doesn't change. Even if culture changes, God doesn't change. Even if public opinion changes, God doesn't change. E -e -e even if the stats change, God doesn't change. God is immovable. God, is in, in, God does not change. So his covenant is not going to change. It's going to stand for all of time. Then God, Genesis chapter 9, then God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, 
It says, for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants. And he says in verse 12, this is the sign of my covenant, which I make between me and you, every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, all the way into 2023, all the way into 2,567, 3,483. Some of you are like, Jesus coming back before that, Pastor. You're about to start testing me on my eschatology. I felt it. I know you. But he said, I will remember. I will remember my covenant between me and you. God, I just thank you that you remember me. Come on, I feel God's presence moving in this place. Let's just get ready to transition into a time of seeking his face right now. Lord, I thank you that you remember us, that your covenant stands for all of time. He says, the rainbow, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. My big takeaway tonight, and I just want to, we're going to begin to move in some time of ministry, but you can write this down if you're taking notes. This will be the last point that the big takeaway of Noah, the Noahic covenant is in the midst of wickedness, God always provides a way of escape. In the midst of wickedness, God always provides a way of escape. I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that God says, for every temptation that is common unto man, the Lord will provide a way of escape. So for whatever wickedness you're facing, whatever wickedness is all around you, I want you to let you know that God has provided a way of escape. And through his covenant, we don't have to worry about death anymore. Because when we die... It's only a short trip to glory. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for your covenant. Lord, we thank you that you never forget us. Lord, that you provide a way of escape. Lord, we thank you that even today during this service that there's a rainbow outside that reminds us of your faithfulness. It reminds us of your covenant. Lord, that a rainbow is not even something we manufacture, but you just put it in the heavens just to show us, just to remind us that you never forget us, you never leave us nor forsake us, that you are with us in the midst of the storm. Those of you right now that are in the midst of a storm, those of you that feel like you're on your boat right now and God's led you this far, God's provided for you this far, but God, we've been in this water for a long time now. I didn't sign up for this cruise. God, when are you gonna provide? Maybe some of you, God just brought you out and now you're on dry ground. Are you gonna remember him? 
Are you going to remember the one that brought you through? Are you going to remember the one that provided for you? Are you going to remember the one that restored you? Are you going to remember the one that fixed your family and, and, and fixed your mind and, and kept you on the right path? Because he's going to remember you. Are you going to remember him? He remembers us. He remembers us. I think we have to also be reminded that the rainbow reminds us of how incapable we really are to save ourselves. To me, the rainbow is a sign of humility. And I'm not going to get too into this, but we know that in our current culture, the rainbow represents pride. The rainbow represents I can do things my way. I know what is best for my life. I know the best way to, to, to conduct myself. I know the best way to, to live. But really what Noah's rainbow shows us is no. We can't handle this on our own. We can't figure this out on our own. We don't know what's good for us. The, the, the heart is wicked. The heart is deceitful. God, I need you. I, I need you to show me the way. I need you to be the ark. I need you to be the carer. I need you to show me how to live. So dear Lord, as, as our ministry team begins to come, our pastors, our elders, we're gonna open up for a time of ministry. Thank you for being with us here tonight. But dear Lord, we just wanna open up. We just wanna open ourselves to you right now. Worship team, you guys can begin to prepare yourselves. But for those of you where you're saying, I, I, have, I find myself in a similar place somewhere on this journey. Maybe you've been a part of a family where everyone in your family is wicked. Everyone in your family is going a different way. And you're saying, I want to be that Noah. I want to be the one that shifts things. I want to be the one that does things differently. I, I want to be the one where it says, yes, their grandparents and their parents and their cousins, but me, it changed with me. It ran in my family, but then it ran into me. It ran into the blood of Jesus. Maybe you're in the middle of God is calling you to do something big right now. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you're looking for a new job. Maybe you're about to go back to school and you're saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do the thing that you've called me to do. We want to pray with you. Maybe you're in the middle of the storm right now and you're saying, I've been in this storm for a long time. I've been in this transition a long time. I've been trusting God for a long time, but my faith is beginning to fail. I I'm starting to get some leaks in my boat. I I've been strong so far, but now I feel like my boat's starting to sink. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you that God's building your faith. Or maybe you just need to be reminded of what God has done, that he's blessed you in the past. He's provided for you in the past. And you say, I know I walked away from him for a while. I know I stopped praying for a while. I know I stopped coming to church for a while. But God, I want to sacrifice to you. I want to lift up praises to you. Come on, we want to pray with you. We want to minister to you. And even now, as we begin to worship, God wants to remind you as you're watching online, as you're in the crowd, God wants to remind you, you are a child of God. Come on, let's just remember him right now. Let's remember him right now. I am a child of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.